0: All right, so we were talking, we've been talking for several weeks. Now, we we started off talking about three things. Y'all remember? Um, We wanted to clear the fog, right? We wanted to clear the fog around who God is and what He's like. Just not act like you know what I'm talking about, okay? all All right, and the second thing we wanted to talk about was narrowing the gap. I'm trying to give you a chance to participate, but they encourage that in education. Uh, they, narrowing the gap, do you remember what we wanted to narrow the gap between? What we believe in our actions. Yes, behavior and belief. We want to have a narrow gap between what we say we believe and how we actually behave. And then the third thing, and we've been talking about this a little bit for, for several weeks, is we wanted to eliminate the wall. And what was the wall? Yes, the wall that exists between those who believe and those who don't. And, and wh- how did we say was the best way to eliminate the wall? Live on the other side. Yeah, live on the other side of the wall. And so we've been looking at examples of how Jesus did that, how he lived on the other side of the wall. So we're going to continue in Mark today, uh, in chapter 1 still, beginning at verse 39. You can look at that or you can look on the screen. We're going to read verses 39 through 45. So he traveled throughout Galilee. Now let me just stop right there and back up and say, what we looked at last week was, you know, that Jesus had been healing people. And it says that everybody in the town came to his door uh, on one particular night because of what had been happening. And and Jesus went out to pray and the disciples put together this manhunt. And when they found him, they said, Lord, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus said, yeah, let's go somewhere else. And so he goes, they leave, and they go somewhere else, and then we'll pick up here. So, so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. Now, some passages say Jesus was moved with compassion. So Jesus is not indignant with the man, he's not mad at the guy. He's, he's, he's mad at the man's condition. Does that make sense? So Jesus was moved with compassion. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded uh, for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Jesus is saying to him, Go first, before you do anything else, go to the priest and, and let them examine you, because only the priest could declare him clean. And that's his ticket back into normal life. And so Jesus is saying, Don't, you know, don't go talking to people and telling them what's going on because They may not believe you. They may reject you. You need to go be declared clean first. Okay, so Jesus is really trying to help him out here. See that you don't tell this. Okay, instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. That sounds like a good song, doesn't it? Uh, Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. All right. Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak to us today. Uh, we love you. We love the way you lead us and teach us. Uh, we invite you today uh, into our hearts. We invite you to speak, uh, to have your way in us so that you can have your way through us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Jesus is traveling. He's traveling through uh, Galilee and he's preaching and he's driving out demons and he's approached uh, in one of his uh, teaching times, he's approached by this person uh, with leprosy. and Now what we need to know about leprosy is that it's it's a Greek word that is used uh, for, uh, in this particular passage, the Greek word that we translate as leprosy is a word that was used to describe basically any skin disease. So it's not just what we would identify as leprosy today, but basically any skin disease that a person had uh, was, is what this Greek word refers to. And so people would see it. it. It's something that was obvious. They could look at you and see that something was going on. And so uh, it was believed that if someone, uh, if it was believed that someone had leprosy, they were brought to the priest. And only a priest could say, you're a leper, and only a priest could say, you're not a leper, okay? So when you're taken before the priest, the priest is going to say one of two things. He's either going to say, yes, you're a leper, and you're going to be pushed out of the community, or he's going to say, no, you're not. But also, if something happens that you're cured, only the priest can say, you're cured. So this man comes to Jesus on his hands and knees. So, so you get the picture. He, he's a leper. He's been told by the priest. You're a leper. He's been pushed out. He's been banished from the community. So why is he there? He's not supposed to be there. He's not supposed to be there. And he comes to Jesus on his hands and knees. And I, I would suggest that there are at least three reasons. Why he comes to Jesus on his hands and knees. One he's desperate. Because if a priest declares that you have leprosy. You're banished from the community. Not not because people were afraid they would get leprosy. That was not the reason for the isolation. The reason for the isolation is that people believed that leprosy was caused by being spiritually unclean. And so the reason they pushed them out was because they didn't want to catch his spiritual uncleanness. In Judaism, if you touch something unclean, it makes you unclean. And so this person, when they look at him, they see, okay, leprosy, you're unclean. This is either demonic or it's God's punishment. And we don't want either of those, so go away. So you hear that's, that's basically where they're coming from. So he's desperate uh, because he's been declared unclean and he's been pushed out of the community. The second reason that I think he comes on his hands and knees, is because he knows he's not supposed to be there. It's not a surprise to him. He's been pushed out of the community. He knows it. He knows he's not supposed to be in this public setting. And so he comes humbly breaking the rules. The third thing I would say, uh, third reason that he comes is because he believes that Jesus is God. He believes Jesus is God. And this is why I say that. In Judaism, they believe that only God could cure leprosy. Only God. Uh, you remember the story back in, in the Old Testament in Kings, the story of Naaman. And, and a request is made of uh, the king to heal Naaman. And what was his response? How can you ask me that? Who do you think I am? God? He, it scared him to death to be asked. Because he recognized that only God could heal leprosy. And so this man actually comes into a place that he knows he's not supposed to be. Comes in a way that is publicly humiliating. Hands and knees knowing that people are going to shun him, knowing that people are going to reject him, he comes anyway into this situation on the chance that Jesus could be God. On the chance and on the belief that Jesus could be God. So this desperate man, he's been told that he's a sinner and that this is his punishment. He's been told to stay away from people because he is untouchable. And he's been told, your fate is in God's hands. No one else can help you. And so knowing all of this and putting all this together, he comes to the only conclusion you can come to. Well, if only God can help you. If only God can help me. That guy there looks and sounds and acts a lot like God. I think I'm going to put myself before him and see what happens. And so then Jesus... Respond, responds, and and there are two things that Jesus does. He touches the man, which you're absolutely not supposed to do. So I think Jesus was probably pretty comfortable with a rule breaker. He touches the man, and he commands that he be clean. Now, it's interesting to note uh, that because they believe, that leprosy was either caused by demonic oppression or punishment from God because of your sin. When Jesus commands, and he doesn't request it, but he, as God, commands this leprosy to leave, he's doing one of two things. He's either taking authority over the devil or he's declaring the man's sin forgiven. And either one of those is a good thing. So that's where Jesus is coming from. Now, all of that I want to use to kind of help us deal with three questions today. Question number one. Who is your untouchable? Who is your untouchable? Are there people? Are there places? Do you have things that you in your mind have deemed untouchable? Social things? Economical? Racial? Gender? Religious? Are there things to you that are untouchable? Jesus made a regular practice of touching things that had been deemed untouchable. And the reason was because he cared more about helping people than preserving himself. He cared more about reaching the lost and healing the sick and raising the dead than he did about Possibly contaminating himself. So what is your untouchable? What Are there things that you're just like. Eh, can't touch that. Can't go there. Can't be there. Can't be seen. With that. Or with them. Uh, one of the things that we've noticed. About Jesus living on the other side of the wall. Is that he's regularly. Associating. With the lost. Uh, with, sinner, with sinners. Jesus is having dinner. It was believed that having a meal with someone. Was a, it was a huge deal. Having a meal with someone in that culture. Was very uh, much an exchange of life. And it's just something that you typically didn't do. With people that you disagreed with. And yet Jesus. Is seen having meals with publicans and sinners. Now, they're not all, some of them are poor, some of them are prostitutes, some of them are drunks, but not all of them. Some of them are the wealthiest people in town, like people like tax collectors. Jesus was willing to move into social settings. With people who needed him. Because he, he knew that him touching them would not make him unclean. But it would make them clean. And that was the difference in his approach. From the, from the Old Testament to the New Testament we see a shift. In the Old Testament the idea was uh, if something clean touches something unclean it becomes unclean. But in the New Testament the idea shifts to If something clean touches something unclean, then the unclean thing becomes clean. It's a big, it's a good shift. I vote, I vote for it. So, so, what is your untouchable? Is, is there a social, economical, race, gender, religious, um, something that you're afraid to get in involved with? Uh, and, and that's just a, an honest moment for you. Uh, second question is. Um, a little more personal maybe what about you is untouchable what about you is untouchable do you want me to help you with that everything everything about you is untouchable apart from the grace and mercy of God and so If we, as believers, stand back from the world and say, "Eh, I can't touch that. What we're saying is that we refuse to extend the grace and mercy to others that God has extended to us. Because there is no one in this room. In fact, the Bible says there's no one on this planet Who can stand before God worthy apart from the grace of God. None of us are righteous. No, not one. Only Jesus. So, if you have things in you that you think make you touchable. They don't. That may be bad news. Here's the good news. If you think that you have things in you that make you untouchable. They don't. Because the grace of God is available to you. The grace of God is available to you not based on your own merit, but based on his merit. He can take the things that you think are pretty good about you and and help you to understand (laughs) that those aren't any better than the bad things about you. That he wants to sanctify your gifts and your struggles. Okay? Okay. To make you into the men and women that he's called you to be. So who's your untouchable? What is about you that's untouchable? And then the third question. What is that thing in your life that you would say, not even God can touch this. Not even God can touch this. Is there a situation in your life? I was having a conversation with a guy yesterday. He was telling me, he he said, these are my options as I see them. And he laid out three options for his future. And he said, I used to have a fourth. I used to have a fourth option. My fourth option was uh, a miracle from God. But I've lost hope for that. What is that place in your life where you say, "Not, not even God... Can fix this. It's just broken beyond repair. And so. um, I want to leave you. Today with those questions. Uh, Are there things that you've deemed untouchable. That you need to learn how. Through the power and grace of God to touch. Are there things in you. That you would say are untouchable. That you need to recognize. That nothing in you is beyond The sanctifying grace of God. If you have things in your past that you continue to carry around and drag around uh, shameful things, you need to understand that if you pointed at those things, if you got God's attention and pointed at the things that cause you shame and said, what about that? He would say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because we killed that a long time ago. And are there things in your life that just, you've prayed, you've fasted, you've done everything you know to do, and nothing has changed. And you're at that place where you would say, I used to have a fourth option. I used to think, miracle from God. And I've just lost hope. Maybe the hardest thing in a room like this where you assume that everybody in the room is just a little bit more spiritual than you are. Maybe the hardest thing is to admit that you've lost hope. But I know that there are people in this room, who, if they haven't lost it, you're close. And so, I, I would encourage you today: um, be like, be like this guy. Be willing to push to the front. Put yourself in a place that maybe is uncomfortable. So that Jesus can get his hands on you. Okay. All right. Let me ask our prayer teams to come. And get ready. I don't know where y'all are supposed to stand. But maybe you've got it figured out by now. Good. Very good. Um. Let me let me let me ask. Let me do this too. Um, let's see if I got some good helpers. I got Brian and Steve. Yeah, and Joel. Yeah, Mike. Okay, I got I got some good helpers. You're dressed way too nice for me to ask you to do this, but you can jump in there if you want to. Here's what I want to do: at, um, as as they start to the lead us in worship, I want y'all to take some chairs, and I want you to make altars across the front of all four sides like about four chairs you know how they need to be facing out that way so people can come and kneel if you just want to come and just kneel at a chair and pray uh, and just spend some time with the lord uh, we want to give you a chance to do that and we'll we won't bother you we'll leave you alone let you uh, if at some point while you're here you want to be prayed for just lift your hand and somebody will come and pray for you okay all right, guys, y'all get on it, and I appreciate it. And, uh, all right, perfect. Uh, and y'all see where the prayer teams are. Awesome, Lord, we thank you for today, and uh, we just pray. Have your way here. Have your way in this place. Don't. I pray that no one would be afraid. And, uh, there's no one in this room untouchable according to you you can touch no one you're not afraid of touching you're not afraid of anyone and so i pray lord that that we would allow you today to touch us all in jesus name